0: Welcome to The Constant Cheerleader, the podcast that champions the people who go above and beyond to make a difference in the world and their communities over a cuppa. My name is Gemma Stevenson and joining me today are two women who have a passion for giving kids a voice and helping them broadcast confidence. Fed up with how posh and London-centric their industry was looking, they set up Media Cubs, a youth project that takes the demand for a more diverse media and turns it into fun workshops for 7 to 11-year-olds from disadvantaged backgrounds showing them that a reporter's life really can most definitely be for them, even if the people they currently see making the news don't represent them. Oh, and on top of that, they also have jobs in journalism and PR themselves. Here to give us 30 minutes of their best Matt talk this week are Kirsty Day and Grace Dyke. Hi guys, I'm just wondering, um, do you ever sleep?
1: That's a really good question. Uh, quick answer, no.
0: How is life with permanent insomnia?
2: <laughs> it's fun. We're lucky. We're lucky that the things that keep us up are really, really motivating. When you've got a class war and a diversity war on your hands, you're just uh, motivated to keep going, really.
0: And you know what? Something that can keep you going is a good old cuppa, isn't it?
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah. Kirsty, what cuppa are you joining us with today?
1: Well, you know, I've got very traditional northern roots, born in Yorkshire, bred in Manchester, so it's a proper builder's brew, and it's got to be Yorkshire tea, so that's um, always a winner for me, and my mug is a double-hander today, so it's shaped like a bee. Um, Being from Manchester, the bee's a really important symbol to us here so it's something that's been a part of the city for 150 years as an emblem and i think it denotes well it's meant to be about how we have this really strong hard working ethic that we uh, you know which i hope me and grace do do um as part of our work and also to show that manchester's a hive of activity so it's both of those things which really represents where i'm from so and also more recently has become a symbol of unity for our city so all of those things just in one cup isn't that amazing I mean yeah and it's very I
0: mean you'd see you coming if you were carrying that cup down the street wouldn't you
1: yeah it's it's pretty big I mean that's another thing I'm known for is that I do like to have huge mugs of tea um, and lots of them to get me through the day so (laughs) I've had this
0: discussion before with podcast guests there's no point having a cupper in a small mug I mean that's like multiple trips to the kitchen
1: don't get me wrong, if somebody else was making it for me, that'd be completely fine. But if I've got to make it myself, we've got to go big. Um I'm also a massive fan of a um teapot as well though. So if I can make a whole teapot to fit, you know, multiple mugs, then that's a bonus. I mean, always.
0: <laughs> I mean Grace, you've gone for a slightly daintier mug, but still um still a decent size mug.
2: Yeah, it's not a double handle situation like Kirsty's. Uh, so it's a press pad mug. Which is a, a social enterprise that we love. We're a social enterprise ourselves, and their whole thing is about diversifying the media. So, I drink out of it, I read it, I get motivated, I keep drinking, and I, I keep working like those worker bees in Manchester.
0: <laughs> you sound like you're on like a fifty a day copper habit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, what have you done? Although it's that time of the day, I've switched to the peppermint tea, so I'm caffeine free for now.
0: Day with peppermint tea. Do you find? I had to stop drinking it after a certain time because it kind of makes me, like, suddenly very productive and I can't go to sleep.
2: It, what, it brings you back up yeah, like, energy like, levels. Properly. And, uh, it, this is my me winding down now. It's all right, I won't be asleep by the end of the podcast interview. But <laughs> if I was still on the tea, I wouldn't be sleeping this side of midnight, so... See, I, w- I can have a cup of tea, like, as
1: my final drink before bed. It just, I'm, I'm clearly immune to it, the amount of tea that I drink.
0: <laughs> I mean, I say peppermint tea keeps me up, but, like, I, I'll happily drink a cappuccino before bedtime. And... Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Happily.
2: I wouldn't be sleeping till the next day if I had a cappuccino at night. <laughs> but quite often not. <laughs> like, yeah. so, maybe that's
0: what I need. <laughs> Your mug, uh, you mentioned it's from a social enterprise, and mm-hmm. uh, you guys own a social enterprise i mean was it a no-brainer when you set it up that this uh, was going to be a social enterprise that you were going to set up
2: yeah absolutely um my background is a little business studies degree and for three years i tried to marry the concept of business and management techniques with doing something good in the community and back in 2007 when I started my degree nobody spoke of this term called social enterprise but it was only when Kirsty and I met when we worked for a national charity that I came across this concept of social enterprise and thought this is perfect because I do believe to be sustainable you need to trade like a business but why not use the power of business for the good of society. And MediaCud is a perfect example of how we can do that. The same for me in terms of like not knowing what it was initially,
1: you know, in terms of knowing that's what I liked and enjoyed about businesses and people that we work with, but from a journalist perspective as well, because my background is um working in regional media for twelve years prior to meeting Grace. And my biggest joy at the newspaper, the Manchester Driven News, was that when I did get to work with um, people on community projects and things that they were putting back into our city. So um, without knowing it, that's where we were both heading. Um, and it was through meeting each other that that's how it got started, really. Why
0: for you guys was Media Cub so important now?
1: It started off as a quite a personal journey in terms of what we wanted to do it for. Um, my son was uh, my youngest son was the inspiration behind media clubs, and we wanted to really change the way that after school provisions were provided. A lot of it was very much around um having being one dimensional in the sense that it was only you know those sporty clubs that could be there, and it wasn't necessarily things that were in being able to be creative for those kids who wanted to enjoy that side of things. And um, I was at a Sats meeting that basically was telling me how it was going to be really important for my son to be able to cross his T's and dot his eyes, and it didn't matter how much more creativity he brought to things; he just had to have do things as a process. And that was, you know, not something that I wanted to hear. It just felt like all the creativity was being sapped out of the classroom, and I wanted to be able to think about how we could do something to change that. Um, but you know, doing some research, I couldn't find anything that was like media clubs or the idea that we had in our head at the time. So I wanted to be able to make sure that we could do that um, for ourselves. And it's a real mentality of Grace's mine and Grace's that if we can't um, see it out there, then why not give it a go and do it for ourselves? So that's where media clubs started really. Um, But there is obviously a wider challenge there as well that we have.
2: Yeah, so as well as Trying to meet that need to um, meet the interests of kids like Jack, who are creative and love the media. We saw that there was this wider issue um, that needed to be changed in UK media, and that is there is a massive imbalance between who creates the news and who consumes the news. And that affects the way certain people and groups of people are reported. It affects uh, the way decisions are made in the media, and so we're trying to start right at the beginning with the seven to eleven year olds, and we really do try to live by the mantra of "you cannot be what you cannot see." So if we can provide them with role models, if we can throw them into a newsroom and TV studio situation, then we want those kids from disadvantaged backgrounds to believe that they have got views and news worth sharing and they have got a right to be in future newsrooms. You know, I think the current stats are something like 51% of leading journalists are privately educated. Well, that's hugely out of proportion with the amount of people that are privately educated. So, you know, there's gender diversity, ethnic diversity, disability diversity issues that need tackling. So, we try and promote the fact that there's a place for everybody in the newsroom, and every Media Cubs class or session tries to bring that to life.
0: You're making waves, aren't you? I mean, I'm going to talk to you about your Instagram post today. I mean, your Media Cubs moving in high circles. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, just an average day when you get a letter from Downing Street here at Media Cubs HQ. Um, so, no, it was really great to be able to get that response. They worked really hard on a project over the summer called Raise Your Hands Campaign. Um to be able to get their voices heard, like you, like you said, you know, it's been really important to us to make sure that um, diversity is about children being given their um, an opportunity to give their views as well. And what we found, because obviously our um, our once our sessions where we were going into school were coming to an end, we were having the coronavirus conversation with those media clubs in the after school sessions, and they had so many questions so many great ideas so many views to share but nobody was asking them about their futures and how it was going to impact them and we wanted to be able to make sure that they got their voices heard so um while we were all in lockdown we um, managed to rally the troops um we got the media clubs back together in a virtual way to be able to think about how we can approach um Downing Street with all of these questions and they finally got a response as you saw this morning on the um on Instagram um but as part of that as well as part of that campaign um as we do with the pop-up TV studio and newsroom on a on a Uh, basis when we go into the classes, is that they were able to be able to have real-life opportunities in where they actually got to be in the media and see how it worked and speak to people like um, the Greater Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham, and the Children's Commissioner for England and Longfield and ask them questions and be those real-life reporters that we've been working on within the pop-up TV um, studio and newsroom during our Media Club sessions. So, It was a great opportunity to be able to show them how that what we've been teaching them within those Media Club sessions is giving them real life skills to build their confidence, to broadcast the confidence, which we knew they had and giving them those opportunities. So
2: um, that was really, really great to see. It was quite interesting, though, wasn't it, Kirsty? So they were able to hold their own press conferences with the likes of the Greater Manchester Mayor, but Boris Johnson wouldn't agree no. to a live Q&A with 11-year-olds. And He was really scared. Not, yeah, <laughs> still not sure what put him off, really. I think uh, some <laughs> of the questions were too difficult for any of us to answer, and they were dealt with really well, weren't they, by Andy Burnham and anna Longfield. Yeah. But, yeah, it made us laugh that... Um, perhaps the Prime Minister was pretty intimidated by our many reporters.
1: <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, um, what's fantastic about them is that they do ask those questions that people don't necessarily always want to ask, and it's like they're very honest and open with how they feel about things, and um we were actually given the opportunity by some media outlets to go on the daily briefing, um, but that was kiboshed by Downing Street, so um, because other countries did do that for young people, you know, New Zealand did their own daily briefings for young people, so I don't know why we didn't do it over here, but um, as Grace insinuated, I think it's because the questions were too tough. I
0: think it it says a lot about the future of journalism, if these guys go into journalism, I mean, politicians and the (laughs) Uh, figures of the authority aren't going to get away with anything, are they? Absolutely,
1: Absolutely not. not. Nor should they.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they do also say never work with children and animals. So has have there been moments where, I mean, those facepalm moments, their, um, oh my God, we can't broadcast this moments?
1: Absolutely, oh, you- but what get happens in the newsroom stays in the newsroom. <laughs> um, Kirsty, no, the- what did
2: that um, lad describe Donald Trump as... That was oh, hilarious. It was, um oh, gosh. It wasn't a satsuma, was it?
1: No. Oh, um, it was something to do with McDonald's as well. as like, anyway, <laughs> going off on a tangent here, but we just want to make sure that kids are getting the opportunity to create their own news, they get to shape it, and also learn how to navigate it. And between the ages of 11, uh, 7 and 11, is not something that they've necessarily had before to be able to be given those skills and something i would have dreamt of being um, a part of when i was their age definitely something i mean we give them the real life skills so making sure they can have the opportunity to use different equipment like the green screen we have cameras they can use um microphones the clapper which they absolutely love when you're thinking about some of those things actually when, to your question before, that when they get hold of a megaphone or a clapperboard, that's probably where it gets a bit chaotic in the sessions. Um, oh, that's totally a lesson learned. Do not, <laughs> yes. do not provide megaphones. They are yeah. not required. The kids. So, the, so that kind of, you know, trying to um, get them, bring them back round in those sessions can sometimes be challenging, but have this really set way of talking about the newsroom and how we have our directors we have our um, presenters, producers, editors, camera people. So when it starts to get a bit rowdy like that, we make sure that we bring back in, to bring them back into this newsroom setting and bring the director on board to say, right, come on, you need to get the team back to be working how they should be doing. And they get to have a go of all the different roles because that's always really important to us as well, to be thinking, you know, there's some kids who are just natural born presenters who walk into the newsroom and they may as well, you know, have a feather boa wrapped on their neck and ready to go. But then there's others that you can just see instantly are thinking, right, oh, well, I want to be the person behind the camera. But by the end of the sessions over a number of weeks, all of those children have been given the opportunity to have a go at all of those roles. And the ones who were thinking that they just wanted to stay behind the camera, were also shining in front of the camera and vice versa. So being, being able to have a chance of all of those different roles has been fantastic for them. And like I say, just live it fulfilling the dream of mine, I think, as a, as I would have been as a child.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I went into journalism, I kind of only had scratched the surface of what job roles were available. But now, like, you, you can get employed as a journalist with a, like, knowledge of tiktok
1: and i mean their knowledge is probably outweighs all of ours here now already or they will certainly know about what the latest trend is before any of us do and the um they actually got the opportunity to meet emma bentley one of the bbc um camera people and she was doing some tiktok tiktoks with an, at an event with our media clubs and It's just a great way to be able to show that you don't always necessarily have to go into media in those traditional forms, which is how I trained as a journalist. You know, the opportunity was to work on a newspaper, work for a radio station, or go into television. And now it can be, well, actually how what am i going to do for myself to be in order to set myself up as being a journalist because you can there's so many more people who are doing that now where they just um, create their own blogs or they create their own social media profiles that um give them a space to be able to do that for themselves rather than traditionally entering newsrooms so we tell them about about all of those situations really and how they can express themselves in lots of different ways
0: so grace does this mean you um educate them on your dislike of going down social media rabbit holes
2: yeah absolutely and and you know there's always the balance with the parents and thinking about how much we should be celebrating the use of social media but we're trying to promote that it it can be a positive and powerful thing if you've got control of it if you understand when things are fake news when things are being promoted to you in a certain way so we think that you know knowledge is power it is inevitable, isn't it, that kids are going to be falling down social media rabbit holes. We're falling down social media rabbit holes. It's a way of the world now, isn't it? So as long as we've empowered them with the information for them mm. to actually know what it is that they're scrolling through and how they might be manipulated if they're not being aware of it, then uh, we're doing our job. Yeah, somebody asked me the other day whether I thought young people should be
1: shielded from the news. And I, you know... Absolutely not, but because they can uh, they've more than shown within the media club sessions that they know how to handle it, and actually they've got their own views and want to debate it um what they should be shielded from is knowing which sites to look at, which news people um use um platforms that they should be looking at, and and vitally when to stop looking, you know and thinking giving yourself that opportunity to be able to switch off too so I think. Um, having those conversations with them is really important, rather than ignoring it or shielding them from the news. You know
2: what? I've not got kids, so going into the newsrooms with Kirsty was a new experience, an eye-opening experience for me, and I was so blown away by the fact that those mini-reporters wanted to tackle the big topics. We didn't introduce them. It was them that wanted to talk about climate change, Black Lives Matter, plastic pollution. Yes, there is a bit of Uh, pokemon in there as well and some tiktok dances inevitably but yeah they they don't want to be talked down to they want to be a part of the conversation so we're just giving them the platform to do that hopefully
1: yeah and that's always been really important to me you know stemming from my own children that you talk to them how you would talk to anybody else in terms of um, knowing that they should be able to be allowed to be in those spaces like we are to have conversations and debates it's how I feel it's the best way to let them mature and understand how to navigate the news.
0: Are you going to be one of those parents that if your son comes up to you and says, I want to do what you do, you're going to go, oh yeah, no, I'll I'll wholeheartedly help, or you're going to go, please don't do that, I might disown you.
1: <laughs> I think I've gone from one spectrum of the other in that debate that one minute it'd be like, yes, definitely, journalism's a great um, career to have, but really it's just about... Him being his own individual, and it stemmed from him in terms of he's always been a very creative soul, um, and and currently he would like to be a wildlife photographer, so he's definitely utilising some of those media club skills that um, that has been passed on, um, and I think he would be an absolutely fantastic journalist. But the media club's newsroom is is for those kids who like who simply may end up in the career in the media, but also more importantly it's about giving them confidence that message of us broadcasting confidence with young people because jack didn't have that i never thought in a million years that jack would stand in front of a camera and um do present back to us but then he um you know became the face of media clubs to show how actually he's gone that full circle and been able to go from the the kid who would have been um behind the camera or writing a comic strip to thinking no I can get up in front of the rest of my um classmates and do that presentation and so that it really is the journey that we want to see the young people who come to media clubs on and um he is a great inspiration for that he's now just gone into secondary school so he's less likely to want to let me shove him in front of a camera because <laughs> he's, um you know he's on the verge of becoming a teenager so that's um <laughs> that's probably going to be something that wanes off for a little bit and then hopefully he'll (laughs) come back
2: (laughs) to we do hope that the, the confidence will stay with them I mean there are many aspects to this class war and this way of trying to tackle the lack of diversity and representation in the media. One of them being role models, let's show kids, people that look like them in the newsroom. But a huge one for me personally is this confidence gap. People talk about this attainment gap, which separates the kids that go to the least advantaged schools with those that go to the most advantaged. Well, aside from an attainment gap, there is a confidence gap. When are you given the skills, the belief, the platforms at the least advantaged schools to believe that you can do anything you want in life and that your opinions matter no matter what job you go into? So um I think for us that confidence element of it is just so important if they take anything from media cubs it needn't be they're going to be the next best tv mm-hmm. presenter but it has to be that they've got a bit more confidence and conviction in their own views from what you saw today
1: on instagram with the um the letter from Downing Street um one of them actually said to me that I can't believe he actually replied so it's still like thinking oh they were doubting that that was going to happen it's like well you know believe it because all your hard work really paid off and, and perseverance because we tried lots of ways to be able to get to the prime minister and eventually it worked. And so persistence and confidence are very key aspects to what we would be able to hope that they take out of that.
0: I'm just imagining the Prime Minister sat in his office going, oh, they keep coming at me, I've got to answer (laughs) them soon. (laughs) That
2: that must have happened. We got in
1: touch with 10 Dining Street. I had a catch-up with some of them yesterday, and to hear how they confidently walked into a room to do this and made new friends and subjects that they were shining in was just brilliant.
0: The confidence thing probably comes. I don't know because I'm not in education, but um, the fact that at private schools you you have kids who are in classes of maybe like ten, twelve, so the teachers have that time to give them into individual attention to help them kind of flourish and become who they want to be. Whereas actually in the state school system, more. I mean, I've noticed it from when I was in school. There's a lot less um kind of focus on um the subjects outside of like reading, writing and arithmetic, isn't there?
2: Because of that attainment gap that we've spoken about. So there's a huge, huge, huge amount of pressure on teachers to close that attainment gap. But that means for the kids in the class of 30 in the local state school, they're not getting those opportunities to develop themselves or to have their um, talents or interests celebrated and nurtured. And that is doing no fault the schools at all there's so much pressure on them but you can see where that gap starts widening when the kids in the class of 10 then gets to go to a press conference or a politics conference and Mm. gets to mingle with people outside of their town or housing estate whatever it might be and see themselves in those social situations and try out work experience and have their views listened to those are the opportunities that need to be available to every child, no matter what background. So if we can do that, even on a small scale of media clubs, I would feel, well, personally, that I, I'm giving something to the kids that I didn't have at my state school where it was, you know, do your lessons, do your revision, pass your tests, go home. thanks very much, that's all we need from you. It wasn't about having aspirations or, yeah. you no. Know, what were those? Shooting careers.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know whether your career's advice was like uh like mine, but you kind of did a didn't did you do one of those tests where you had to answer questions and they told you what your ideal career would be and that was probably about it.
2: I got fence director, didn't know that was a job. Really? And market trader, which I guess is sort of in line with business, but wow. Well, <laughs> talk about setting your side high.
1: <laughs> and I don't I'm not sure I went to my career's advice meetings because That wasn't the pupil that I was. (laughs) um, I decided I was already creating my own path and that's how I feel that I want to pass on to the media clubs. You know, if you want to do something, then you create your own path and you do it. So hopefully they take that from me as well.
2: Well, I could become a fence director, but I don't know whether that will be seen as a disappointment or not. So,
0: I mean, it's 2020. Anything could happen. Never say never, Grace. Never say never. Still
2: on the list. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I want to move into kind of the wider area that you are in which is women in business another area where we don't see a lot of female voices is actually in the corporate world in business Um, are, are there challenges with being a woman and getting your voice heard in business as well
2: I think there's um, a challenge again with that representation and that whole, you cannot be what you cannot see thing. So we actually ran a campaign a few years ago called I'm not John. And that was in response to the fact that there were more FTSE 100 chief execs called John than there were women. So we ran this campaign to showcase women in business, all types of businesses, all types of careers who were at the top of their game to show, look, you don't have to be John to be the boss. So I think, there's quite a lot of solidarity we find amongst women to support each other and to lift each other up and I must say that Greater Manchester in particular does seem really good in that sense but that's not going to solve the problem completely is it women supporting women we need the men to open up those doors for us please give us a, ta- a seat at the table that they are sitting very comfortably at and um, so I think that needs to change and I there's a lot of lip service I would Mm. say in that case and oh yes let's let's engage with the female network and say that we'd love to speak to you but then close the door again and have our meeting without them
1: yeah I felt it in the newsrooms as well that it was like you know um still very much a man's world and if you were women in the newsroom you were expected to act in a certain way that you know played along with being in that man's world rather than actually being your own person as a woman and who you were. So that was quite challenging at times as well, but definitely served as another motivator for what we do um, as women in business now. And I think the world, the circle that we're in as part of being a social enterprise is very receptive um, to you know women in business and being uplifting and supportive of that. It's the um, wider community of business that I think needs to really up its game move
2: that. Yeah, the the levels of representation and diversity in social enterprise is on the whole a lot better than private businesses. It's still got a long way to go. It's still, you know, not 50-50 um gender balanced or um ethnic minorities being represented or disabilities, but it is a lot better. You know, this is our bag to make the world a better place. So we should be practicing what we preach and our organizations should be representative. Uh, and
0: going yeah. then. when are we going to see you both on dragon's den going up in that <laughs> lift pitching <laughs> to become a like proper full-on international organisation. was love, a dream
1: I'll of yours <laughs> Grace. Uh,
2: yeah, I I quite like being in those situations that are heavily corporate and are dominated by the status quo which is usually the pale male and stale colleagues of ours and proving them wrong. Like I I love you know, presenting or being in a meeting where you can see that they realise they've misjudged you halfway through and that they're like, what was your name again? That, obviously, that's annoying that you completely dismiss me at first because I'm a young woman. But yeah, I'd love the opportunity to be on Dragon's Den. And, and she but, would be absolutely brilliant at it. Uh, have a showdown with Peter <laughs> Jones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the challenge now right peter Jones, yeah. get here now if, you showdown. Uh, if you're
1: listening
0: <laughs> well anyway guys we've got to that point in the podcast the podcast is called the constant cheerleader so i have to ask you to do cheerleader things the first thing i want to ask you is so um when we as cheerleaders go over to competitions particularly international ones uh we have something called the cultural exchange uh and that is where we give something from our culture to people from other cultures and they return the favour, basically. Um, so uh, this is your chance to um, give our listeners a cultural exchange from your world to theirs.
2: I've got a good one. Shall I go first? darling yeah. Grace. So I'm going to give the listeners the gift of time. How about that? So I've um, discovered through our Media Cubs work this amazing magazine called The Procrastination Paper And it's all about different ways that you can waste time offline. So we've talked about these social media rabbit holes. If you want to avoid that and actually spend some time offline, then I really go and advise your listeners to check out Procrastination Paper. I've read so many lovely inspirational stories, diverse stories about people that you just wouldn't come across normally. And it's inspired me to try different things in lockdown, like, painting or I write a letter to one of my friends who I haven't seen in months and months obviously because of the pandemic so you'll be inspired in lots of different ways after reading it so go grab a copy
0: but uh, yeah I, I think I might definitely look into getting a copy of that I'll
2: tell you what I'll do in the spirit of procrastination paper I will write you a letter and I'll post you one of my old <laughs> copies that is no ragged because I've i've read it so many times
0: you've procrastinated so much yeah i've
2: exhausted the procrastination
0: <laughs> and Kirsty, what would you say your um cultural exchange is
1: it's on a along a very similar line my cultural exchange would be the happy news I,
0: don't know you... I know the happy news yeah so i just absolutely love what um emily
1: does with happy news and they are You know, they really celebrate all the good that's going on in the world, which we could all do with right now. That's what I really got out of it, to be able to think it's something that you can dip in and out of quite easily.
0: When you see all these bombardment of, like, press conferences and stuff, giving, like, this, you know, coronavirus is rising, this is this, this is going to (laughs) happen. You just need a bit of happy in your life.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And um, our final bit, uh, now this is a very important bit. Uh, This is... um, not about procrastination, this is about motivation. <laughs> um it is our Mat Talk section. Um for anybody who's not involved in cheerleading, uh Mat Talk is when teammates their uh, other teammates a bit of motivation when they're doing a particularly difficult stunt. This is your chance, both of you, uh, to give our listeners a bit of motivation for the week ahead.
1: shall I kick off with this one, Grace. You kick off with that one, <laughs> yeah. Kersty. Um, I haven't got any pom-poms, but um, I think a big one for me is not forgetting to celebrate your successes. So always taking the time to think about what your successes are each week. And um, it's something that Grace and I have really made um, an effort to do during lockdown and since we've not been able to work with each other in person um that we'll share our little post-it notes at the end of each week which we've been calling our win wall where we'll um be able to write little snippets on as things that we've gone well for us during the week however big or small they are just something that has made you smile or made you feel happy that you've achieved it on that day and then you look back across the week and think wow actually i've achieved loads and and I think for people, it can be personal or professional. I've definitely recorded both of those in uh, in terms of what uh, makes it onto my wind wall. And if if um, people who are listening or anything like me, that sometimes you can get stuck in the moment of to you know dwelling on the things that you don't think have gone so well, or and you keep going back to them. And but having them in front of you on these post it notes and being able to see them um, really remind you of actually. What a great job you've done of the week. So, yeah, celebrating the successes would be a big one for me.
0: That's a brilliant one. And, Grace, I mean, you've got a tough act to follow there.
2: <laughs> uh, we love the win wall. Hopefully all the listeners will start a win wall. It's, it's felt a bit artificial or forced at first, didn't it, Kirsty? Yeah. But the the effect and impact it has on your mood and your perspective um, is well worth giving it a go. And you're right, it is a tough act to follow. So I've just got some simple advice um, that I try to live by and that we try to deliver media clubs by. And that's ability is nothing without opportunity. So you could be the best flyer, but that doesn't matter if you've not got the opportunity to be flung in the air and to fly. So find those people that will give you the opportunity or create the opportunities for yourselves because nobody's going to be holding that door open and pushing you through it you need to be opening up those doors yourselves. No matter how uncomfortable it might be, that's how people get places. So create your own opportunities.
0: Well, they are two very, very good thoughts uh to <laughs> leave us on uh this week. I mean it's been absolutely fantastic having you both on. Uh we've had a laugh. We talk seriously, but we've as always with this podcast gone off on tangents about <laughs> things that aren't related. Uh, and so but um you know what that's what people tune in for the tangents <laughs> the uh the podcast rabbit holes we'll call them i mean i don't know whether there is an annoying as social media rabbit holes grace but you know we'll uh we'll try and make them less annoying i love
2: a podcast rabbit hole
0: okay so, so we'll <laughs> yeah. fine, we'll keep going on them uh <laughs> but um so all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much um for joining me today and giving up some of your um Sleep time, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, would you, definitely. Would you normally be having a nap about this time, just to
1: you know? Yeah,
2: I've made it through. Even though I have my peppermint tea, I am still awake, which is a testament <laughs> to you. <laughs> <And this laughs> yeah, <goes. laughs>
1: Thank you for giving us the opportunity and being our G Leaders. It's been great to, you know, have it be on and talk about media clubs and see the enthusiasm from you when you hear us talk about it as well. And, um,
0: just so that our listeners know if they're interested um where can they find media
2: cubs on the internet and social media we're all over it as you can imagine so give us a google and find us at MediaCubs.co.uk and on twitter facebook and instagram just search for media cubs uk and you will find an explosion of color and smiley happy little mini reporter faces and some news bulletins from them as well
0: and they're very big on insta aren't you (laughs) we love it so thank you again for coming on and thank you to everyone once again for listening i'll leave you with one final message and that is to stay safe and stay well and we will meet again at the same time next week to champion another of life's cheerleaders thank you